You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks, or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in, so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading Philippians 1.1 through 2.30. 60 verses today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, 
and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. But they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how he, as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul planted the church of Philippi back in Acts chapter 16 when he met Lydia at the river and there was Lydia and there was a demon-possessed girl and there was a Roman jailer and it, from the beginning it was one of the more successful church plans, just a diverse 
group of individuals from all kinds of different backgrounds and together serving Christ. And uh, Paul, in this letter, Philippians, is a letter of joy. It's, it's not like Galatians in which Paul has to have some harsh words for people. And, and it's not even like Ephesians where Paul lays out the gospel uh, in, in the first half of the letter and then the consequences of the gospel in the second half. It's, it's a letter of joy. Now, there are, there are things that Paul wants these people to know, but it's, it's really just, I want you to know how, how I'm doing. He knows that they love him, that he knows that they're for him, and he wants to give them an update because he's in prison. And he's writing from prison with Timothy. And so he, get, he says, initially, he says, the first thing he wants them to know is that every time I think of you, I give thanks. I pray for you all the time. I, I miss you guys. I love you guys. You guys are part of my heart. And, and I give thanks to God in all my remembrance of you, always making my prayer with joy. Every time I think of you, it just brings me joy and thank, thanksgiving. And then he wants them to know, don't even worry about me. What's happened to me in my imprisonment has actually served to further the gospel. Because now that I'm in prison, all of the Imperial Guard have heard the gospel. And, and the people who are outside of the walls of this prison, they're still proclaiming the gospel. Some of them are proclaiming it from selfish ambition, but, but not all of them. And, and to be honest with you, as long as Christ is being proclaimed, I'm not even mad at the motivation for the people to, to proclaim it out of selfish ambition. Paul gives us the secret to contentment in the next part. To live as Christ and death is gain. To live as Christ. What, as, as a servant of Christ, as a slave of Christ, as somebody who has been adopted as a son of God, Paul knows that he doesn't call the shots on his life anymore. That he is a tool, that he is an instrument, that he is, his life is for one thing and one thing only, and that is the service of the kingdom of God. And so if Christ wants to call Paul home right now through a, a martyrdom, so be it. Paul knows that that will continue to bring forth the good news to others. And he gets to go be in glory with his Savior. But if Christ decides that it's Paul has to stay here for a while, then he knows full well that he has good work that he has to continue to do. And he's going to continue to do that. And the reason that he's able to do that is because he sees Christ in his humility, in his example. Christ, who is God, in the flesh, humbled himself to take on flesh and die a death, even death on a cross. And in doing that, he was elevated and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So he understands better than anybody the, the legitimate and, and rational consequences and ramifications of the resurrection of Jesus. And that is that we are undefeatable, that we are indestructible, that we are to live as lights in the world. He's going back to the teaching of Christ on the Sermon on the Mount, that you're, you're a city on a hill can't be hidden. You don't light a lamp and then put it under a stand. We don't light this candle, this flame inside of us by the Holy Spirit and then go hide in a corner and hope that Jesus comes back soon. No. This flame that has been lit is to be put on display for the world to see. 
There is no reason for us to shirk away, to be scared. We can be bold and courageous, filled with faith, filled with love, come what may. And so that's the first half of the book of Philippians. And we'll continue reading it tomorrow. But for now, I'd ask you to consider, what does this section of scripture tell us about who God is and what he wants for the world? What does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you.